Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, so in the aftermath of the Bucks' 48-25 win over the Falcons, there are some negatives to take out of that game, and that's what we're here for, <laughs> to point out some of the things. Wait, that wait, maybe wait, wait. Did Tom Jones return to the podcast? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm playing the role. Be like like if you would turn to re, to the podcast. You spring loaded for criticism. That's an existential question, but yeah, you know, I am kind of a little bit. At least I am today, and I want to talk about a couple things. But let's start with Ronald Jones. Now, last week I thought this was like an overplayed question, right? What's up with Ronald Jones? And my sort of default answer was, well, nothing. I mean, he fumbled right in week one against the Cowboys, and they benched him. And Bruce Arians got to play psychologist and say, uh, you know, he didn't handle mentally, he didn't handle the fumble very well, but he, you know, can't put himself in the game. So, okay. And then Arians last week said, well, he's starting. Um, and I thought, okay, well, that's that's Bruce, you know, coach him hard, hugging him up later. And he did start the game. He ran the ball okay. But then there was the play. Um, and Actually, there's two plays in this game that highlight the reason why you can expect going forward that Leonard Fournette is RB1, and not just because he was playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny. No, it's because Ronald Jones is a liability in pass protection. Now, we know he can't catch, right, but neither can Fournette, so who are we kidding, right? Neither one of those guys are here for that. Um, supposedly, Giovanni Bernard is. We'll get into that in a minute. But there's there's a couple plays of this game. Okay, so they were facing second and 20 in the fourth quarter. Okay, and the Falcons linebacker Deion Jones is coming. All right, so it's 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 a blitz. Uh, Jones is typically assigned to the running back if he goes out on the pattern, whatever. So here he comes, and Ronald Jones sees him late, doesn't pick up the protection, dives at his feet. He just steps over him, and he slams Brady for a pretty good hard lick and a seven-yard sack. Okay, um, and then they replaced Jones. Now this is this is the thing that doesn't get me. It's second and twenty. So why is Giovanni Bernard in the game? I mean, that's a passing down. I think everybody in the ball yard knows you're not going to run the draw play to Ronald Jones, which is why they're probably coming. So, but on third down, they go ahead and they put Giovanni Bernard in, and he catches a ten yard pass, and then they punt. Okay. Now contrast that with later in the game. All right. Um, the Bucks are in a similar situation, except it's second and eight. They're at the Tampa Bay 42. Jones comes again on a blitz, only this time Leonard Fournette stones him, just, just sticks him, right? And that allows Brady the time to deliver a beautiful 17-yard pass to Antonio Brown. And on those two plays alone, I'm sorry, but it's all about the GOAT. It's about protecting the GOAT. That's your season. That's your franchise, okay? There's just not enough difference in the two of them in terms of, you know, their abilities as far as running the football. 
If anything, Fournette's got a little better hands, although that's not saying much. But that's, that's going to keep Ronald Jones on the bench. I just don't know how you put that tape on and feel confident that he's not going to whiff on a blitz on a, on a free man and get your quarterback drilled. So there's a lot there's a lot not right right now. Now, I'm not saying they're giving up on him. I think they're going to need him before the season's over. Look, people get hurt at that position. Um, we saw last year he got COVID. That's how Fournette got to play. Fournette was sulking. Maybe Jones will sulk. Maybe he won't. Maybe they'll go right back to him. But, um, man, if it were me, if I was coaching the team, and God knows I'm not, um, I'd have a tough time as long as Fournette was healthy and Giovanni was healthy and maybe even Keyshawn Vaughn. I'd have a tough time playing Jones right now. I just would. Well, and, and we're going to get to Giovanni Bernard here in a second. But Leonard Ronald Jones – career and, and we've been you know we've been doing this podcast the whole time he's been with yeah. the Bucks for four years yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's been up and down it's the inconsistencies in his game yes that are either holding him back or you know why we keep talking about it, it it's mm-hmm. you know he shows flashes of tremendous running yeah he's had some games that have been fantastic and then he's got other ones where it's not we know he can't mm-hmm. catch the ball right he's never been able to do that no. But when you have Tom Brady back there, and as you put it, your number one job is to protect Tom Brady. Yes, it is. I mean, you know, the five guys on the offensive line, the tight ends if you're supposed to block, mm-hmm. or receivers if you're in motion and supposed to block on a play, or the running back. Yeah. Protecting Tom Brady is your most important job, period. Because Tom mm-hmm. Brady goes down and Super Bowl's probably gone. Season over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you may win some games, but I don't. You know, I don't think anyone thinks Blaine Gabbert's taking this team to the Super Bowl. Bruce Arians would probably say differently, but he's probably the only one. I don't think Blaine Gabbert thinks Blaine Gabbert <laughs> is taking this team to the Super Bowl, but that's another topic. So, yeah. you know, if you can't pick up those blitz pickups, if you can't read it, you can't see it, you can't make that block, right? then it's hard for Bruce Arians or Byron Leftwich to put you in that game. Yeah. I mean, how do you justify that to the team? Well, listen, I, I think, and we know this about Brady, right? Brady won't play with guys he doesn't trust. He certainly won't throw him the football. So in as much as, you know, he's quasi-responsible in this. Jason Light's, Light hates hearing this because he is the GM. But, you know, he's responsible for guys like Gronkowski being here. Oh, how's he doing, by the way? Two touchdowns in each of the last three games. Two tutties? Two tutties in, in the Super Bowl and the first two games this year. He's averaging two tutties a game. He's on pace for 34 tutties. Um. So you got that. Uh, now, I don't know that Tom was banging the drum for Fournette, but he did pick up the phone when Leonard had an option and asked and, and said, hey, I want you here. We know that we know absolutely that he asked for Antonio Brown, and he got him. Okay, so... We know he called for Giovanni Bernard. And, and Giovanni, he, I mean, he, he wanted... I think, I think they recognized, and he said that, you know, I got to have somebody that I can throw the ball to out of the backfield. I got to be able to check this thing down. I can't... You know, we can't be punting uh, on third down all the time after third down because I have no one to throw it to. So in comes a proven pass catcher, um, you know, a friend of James White, like one of the best friends he had, James White, the guy from New England that was a Super Bowl uh, MVP, I think, um, or should have been, I mean, up there in that Super Bowl against Atlanta. So listen, uh, I I think if the GOAT doesn't trust you, you're in a bad place. And right now, I don't know how Brady can put on that film and trust him. Now, the thing about Jones is 
I can go through his history because I mean I you know I've never seen a guy get drafted in the second round and then have forty four yards as a rookie forty four okay they didn't play him all right um, that's unprecedented you know you you, you could you know, a lot of guys get released when they're when they're that overdrafted uh, and so you know you go from that to okay he comes back and you know in his in under Arians. He, he kind of improves. And last year, he absolutely would have been a 1,000-yard rusher. Doesn't mean everything was right with his game, but he was on his way to 1,000 yards, and then he got COVID, right? He had that great game, you know, at Carolina, where early on I think he dropped the pass, and then after that uh, he had the 98-yard run and so on and so forth. Um, I think he had a fumble in that game. He came back. So he was doing great. And then, then he got sick, and then he got hurt in the warm-ups at Washington, and then playoff Lenny was born. And I always thought – that, that Jones is a better back. I mean, I think Jones is a better pure runner. I think he has more speed. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think he's legit game breaker. But you can't play him in a pro game if you can't block. And he's just never sort of impressed me with, you know, his, his knowledge of the pro game. And it, I think at USC where they never threw him the ball, where they just ran student body left and student body right, he used his natural talent and his instincts, which is the biggest part of the running back position. And he was just better than everybody. And he made huge splash plays. You know, he just you saw the explosives. And so somebody that wants a running back that can hit the home run, he was Barry Bonds. That's that's the guy everybody, you know, they, that, that's what attracted people to him. But as a football player, he came here, he was almost 20 years old. He just He's never really locked in to the pro game because I think – when you get here, it's more than talent. That's the thing. Like, everybody's talented. I mean, everybody's, you know, an All-American, it seems. Uh, and, and the guys you play against are, too. What separates these guys, and we've seen it at the quarterback position, what separates these guys is how well they process information, how fast they can make decisions and the right decisions. And that includes that includes your, your running backs in pass protection. You have to protect the passer because they're going to bring more then you can block with the five offensive linemen. That's that's the game. The game is pressure the quarterback because you can't hit them, you can't touch them, you can't hit the receivers. You better get after the guy. So I don't know. I I mean, we talked to. It was funny because we talked to uh, uh, we talked to Arians, and I said I mentioned the you know the blitz pickup that he missed, and he goes, "Yeah, well, it speaks for itself. It speaks for itself." You know, he says, "Row that that's his guy." He's got to get out of those type situations. Uh, I thought he ran hard, protected the ball, but again, you can't have those mental errors. Um, and he said, "I like this quote." He says, "His mind's fine. It's just that his play isn't as good as it should be." So, I don't know where Ronald Jones is headed, but I think it's going to be over standing over there on the sideline for a while. So, why isn't Giovanni Bernard playing? Can't figure it out. Your theories, we talked about this before the podcast, are probably as good as anybody's. But I do know this: that like again, second and twenty is not a is not a draw play. I mean, you know, you, the the whole stadium knows you're going to throw the ball on second and twenty. So to me, if you got a guy in there to be an outlet for Tom Brady as a running back or a pass protector, which he's very very good at because he's done it his whole career, why isn't Giovanni Bernard in the game then? Why do you have to wait until the, until you see the three? On the yard, on on the on the chain gang, I, I don't understand that. He he can come in the game when it's not third down. Um, I, I I think this is what Brady wanted. I think he wanted 
a guy that he could throw the ball to, but we're not seeing it. So, well, I and, don't and, know. And, and to clarify, we were talking before the podcast, and I said, "Are they playing the long game with Giovanni Bernard?" And, and my point being is, it's a seventeen-game schedule. It's a long season. You're going to have injuries, and sometimes the fresher bodies at the end of the year can make an impact. Yeah, and as long as you're winning. And Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are running the ball well enough. Yeah. Are you holding Giovanni back a little bit? One, so he has more time to learn the offense. Right. But two, as you get later in the season, or maybe you're holding him for games when you're down in the games and you need to throw the ball more. But you're kind of saving him. He's an older, I mean, what, is his ninth, tenth year in the league? Yeah. Um, you know, so why start putting a ton of wear and tear on him in week one and two, particularly if you're winning the games? Mm-hmm. And and not needing you almost holding that weapon back. I don't know if that's what they're doing, right? But when you start seeing second and twenty, and they don't have them in, and you know Ronald Jones missing blitz pickups, and you don't have Gio Bernardi, Gio Bernard in, you kind of wonder: is there something going on either in practice or is he not healthy? You know, is he not a hundred percent? Or, no, I think or he, is it the I long game? Well, I mean, those are the questions that you, yeah. you start wondering, knowing yeah. that you know we thought it was going to be a huge part of this season was. You finally have a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Right. Well, that's how they were going to get better. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. says, well, we know every team in the NFL spent the offseason trying to get better, and we know which ones have. I mean, it's obvious, right? So how did the Bucks get better? Well, they get better with a guy that can catch the ball on third down or on second down or whenever he comes out of the backfield. That's what they didn't have, and now you're not playing him very many snaps. And, he, you know, he was in the game in week one during that two-minute drive and absolutely beat his guy – uh, in coverage and, and caught two key passes during that, that drive for the game-winning field goal. So we saw him pay off right away. But it could be that it's a 17-week season. It could be that, that you know he's still thinking and learning the offense. It could be any of those things. Uh, or they're just trying to manage, you know, manage his time. But um, honest to goodness, if you're not going to put him in on second and 20, I mean, that's as good as third down, right? You're looking at third and 10 no matter what you do. So... It just seems to me if you're going to have a running back there anyway, you ought to have the guy that can block, that can run routes, that you know is is a true pro that's got nine seasons. Um, you know, not not somebody like Ronald Jones who, you know, it's it's like Groundhog Day. You know, I mean, he wakes up, Sonny and Cher is on the radio, and he goes out, and it's like the first day of, of work. So it's just it's not gone very well for him, and I think. I think because of it, we're going to continue to see Leonard Fournette. And, um, you know, I mean, I think, like I said, they love Ronald Jones's talent. Uh, they don't necessarily love the way he's playing. So that was one of the issues. The other one is that um, this Buccaneers defense is, uh, while they scored two touchdowns, two tutties, and you take that any day, any game of the week because you got about a 90% chance of winning if you're, if your defense scores a touchdown, much less two, and we saw, you know, Mike Edwards do that with the two pick sixes, but everywhere else, if you look at their defense outside of run defense, and, and let's be honest, teams are just not trying to run, which is why they're second against the run. It's it's hard to look at this defense and and you know, and think we're just not used to seeing these sort of numbers. Okay, they're thirty first. Um, in sacks per game, they get, they've got two sacks all seasons, and and that that's 
you know, we've talked a lot about the front seven. We talked a lot about Shaq Barrett and JPP. We talked a lot about Joe Tryon, Showinka. We talked about those inside linebackers that love to blitz, and I thought Ezekiel Elliott did a great job in the week one of of doing what you know Ronald Jones didn't do, which is blocking. Um, and you know, despite all that, um, they've got two sacks on the year, and teams have thrown it over a hundred times. It's not like, and, and sure, have they thrown it quick? Are they getting the ball out faster? Are they? throwing it to the perimeter. Yeah, they're doing all of that. Um, now, what Bruce Arians will tell you is, well, sacks are great. I mean, they had almost 50 last year. He's like, sacks, sacks are great, you know, but we're still affecting the quarterback. And that's true mm-hmm. to a degree. They are affecting the quarterback. And, um, you know, Vita Vea has forklifted some guys right into the quarterback's mm-hmm. lap. You know, where he just picks the dude up, throws him, you know, throws him around into the quarterback and affects the play. We saw a couple of tip passes, you know, one that was intercepted. Um, actually, two that were intercepted because Shaq Barrett got one that was tipped by Vita. So it's not as if the front seven or the, or the down linemen aren't getting penetration, aren't affecting the quarterback. They are, but they're not getting them on the ground. And they're giving up oodles and oodles of passing yards. You know, these first two weeks, I mean, I think, you know, they're one of the worst teams in the league in terms of passing yards allowed. So at some point, and and look, it's not a surprise that the weakness, I mean, we've always thought, Gravedigger's nickname notwithstanding, that, you know, if the strength of the defense is the front seven, that means the lesser than strength is is your secondary. And now you've got Sean Murphy bunting hurt. Um, The tackling was poor the first week. And... I think they allowed too many plays in the passing game, you know, to Matt Ryan. So I, I don't know that those guys back there are playing their best ball. Now, again, you say, well, you know, Mike Edwards scored two touchdowns. He did. He did. Um, give him that. I mean, he'll take the touchdowns any day. Give up as many yards as you want to if you can score on defense. But when you're going out to play the L.A. Rams and Matthew Stafford and the receivers he has with Cooper Cup and the Deshaun Jacksons and people like that um, – it's got to stop somewhere. I mean, because pressure, you know, sacks come when the quarterback has to put the ball, pull the ball down. Sacks come when guys are blanketed back there. It was, you know, coverage and, and pressure work hand in hand. Um, if you get pressure on the quarterback, he has to throw it too soon. That helps your coverage. If you if you got the receivers locked up and he has to hold the ball, that helps your pass rush. Right now, it's not working together. You know, right now, quarterbacks are way too comfortable back there and and thrown have thrown it a hundred and something times in two weeks so something's going on all right let's stick to the nfl and uh you know last week was mvp week league mvp week for Jameis winston it was so really fun for what 85 touchdowns i think for the season zero i picks? think so yeah five five a game so five times 17 something like that and he was you know he was anointed the league mvp and that was fun while it lasted for about five minutes. And then, the, and then they had to play another game. I mean, I was saying it last week, and it looked good on Jameis. He went up there, and he executed, and he threw five touchdown passes. And I think he had like 94 yards entering the fourth quarter. He hit a bomb, and it couldn't have gone better, right? You beat a Green Bay team. You beat the snot out of them, right, in Jacksonville. And we talked about all that that team had had to go through, you know, getting displaced by the hurricane. 
This week they lost, I don't know, seven or eight coaches, you know, but they didn't lose Sean Payton, who presumably draws up the offense. So they go into Carolina, and look, I I didn't handicap Carolina very much before the season started. I mean, I think Sam Darnold might be a little bit of an upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater, although Teddy Bridgewater is 2-0, and thank you, in, in Denver. Um, so maybe he got a raw deal. But overall, I mean, Matt Rule, I think, is a really good coach, and they've added some defensive pieces. But my goodness, I mean, talk about shutting an offense down. And, oh, by the way, you know, we've seen Jameis have great games. He did throw for five touchdowns once when he was with the Bucks, But we've seen him not turn the ball over, as he did in the opener. And then we saw what we saw Sunday, which looked a lot like the Jameis Winston we saw here too often, you know. A um, couple of interceptions. One that was just ridiculous. He's falling down, spins around, just kind of chucks it up for grabs. And I think Sean Payton had maybe his worst offensive production since he's been in New Orleans. Uh, First of all, they had like 40 plays. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it. Jameis was like 11 for 22, and then if you added the rushes up, it was around 20. Yeah, that was it. I mean, that, that, was it. that is very un-Sean Payton-like. It is. They could get the ball back, and they couldn't get a first down when they did. They went three and out all day. Uh, you know, so it was they, it was bad. They were bad on third down. They were really bad on first and second down because they couldn't they couldn't make a first down. And Carolina, to their credit, they must be better than everybody thinks they are. They're two and zero. They could be three and zero by Thursday and leading the division by a half game. As as the Bucks have to travel to Los Angeles to face maybe their toughest game of the season. Yeah. So I mean, if you had Carolina, you know, if that was on your bingo card, congratulations, because I didn't. I didn't. I didn't expect them to be, you know, to come out of the box like this hot. Now maybe, it, maybe like I said, week one is a liar, right? And we said after week one, it was like, woo, watch out for the Saints, man. They just, they just absolutely slapped the Packers around. Jameis is 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 reborn. Which, by the way, I don't know why he does this, but like he had like Jeremy Fowler or whatever from ESPN like on his couch or in his home or wherever they do these interviews, talking about all his, you know, shall we say, unique off-season routines with his trainer, you know, doing stuff like juggling while he was, you know, being shown playing cards and he's supposed to memorize while he's focused on something else, whether it was the Ace of Spades or the Two of Hearts, which I would think has nothing to do with playing the quarterback position, but what do I know? Um, And... And I just, it was too much too soon. Like, can you wait a week or two or, I don't know, maybe 10 before you start doing features with networks? Like, you've not, you've had one good game. So that that was, I thought, disappointing for him to go out there then and, and play the way he did. But listen, um, I'm starting to wonder now, and it's only, been, again, overreaction the first week, overreaction the second week, somewhere in between is the mama bear, right? But is it reasonable to think that if they have many more of those games, and when I say many, I mean probably any more of those games, that Sean Payton won't turn to Taysom Hill and go, okay, big guy, it's yours. I mean, Jameis may not even be the quarterback by the time the Bucks get to New Orleans, which is weird, right? Because last week we had him as the league MVP. Well, and if 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 you know Carolina's three and zero, and let's say the Bucks win this week at three and zero, and if they have a bad performance and are one and two. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you're two now games you're two back games of two teams the in the division. Yeah, 
yeah, and you've lost to one of them. Yeah, yeah, and you've already lost one. I mean, yeah, you got to think Sean Payton would be looking at at least getting Taysom Hill some snaps, right? You know, but you know, one bad game. Aaron Rodgers had a bad game in Week One. We'll see what he does. Now we're taping mm-hmm. this before Monday Night Football, right? So we'll see what he does. But but think know. about what you said, though. I mean, Aaron well, Ro- Aaron well, Rodgers is allowed to have a bad game because we know what Aaron Rodgers is. Correct. What we don't know is what Jameis Winston is because he's not been a starter since he walked out of here with thirty three intercept or thirty interceptions one day. Um, mm-hmm. I I've heard all the sound bites, you know, and I think it was. Probably not the worst idea to go to New Orleans and humble yourself and learn mm-hmm. at the foot of Drew Brees and Sean Payton. But you know what? It's great to say it's hard to do. And I've always said, I said this after week one, what happens if they get behind in a game and he has to try to bring them back by throwing the football? I don't know why the heck the Saints couldn't run, but they couldn't run anywhere. I mean, like Kamara was a, was just a non-starter. He was zero, you know, and, and that offense has to run through Alvin Kamara. But he had no yards at all. And so, like to your point, they didn't have the ball, much less a chance to do anything when they did have it. But I'm telling you, this interception he throws, he's falling down. There's pressure coming towards him. But before it gets there, he just falls down and chucks it up. And it's like, woof, 11 of 22, 111 yards. 11 of 22 and 111 yards. It's not good. Not good at all for a pro football quarterback. There's a lot of quarterbacks that got hurt yesterday, too. Tua mm-hmm. cracked the ribs, right? Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor with a hamstring. Um, who's a guy in Indy? Uh, Carson Wentz. Wentz, yep. Couldn't come back because of an ankle. He couldn't come back for one series to go try to win the game. That's how bad his ankle was. Or, I don't know, people might be questioning his toughness. I don't know which. I tend but, to think it's bad. Yeah, I think it's bad, too. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of injuries and and things like that. So it's going to be a fun week this week though, man. We got, we got the Rams and the Bucks. Matt Stafford, Tom Brady. I saw a stat, uh, I think the NFL's app notification today. Yeah. If Tom Brady throws 14 more touchdowns, Mm -hmm. he will have thrown more touchdowns in his forties than in his (laughs) twenties. He's only 44. Uh, it's unbelievable. I'll tell you a stat, and I think uh, Craig, Greg Allman might have come up with this one, that it's reasonable to think that if he stays on a pace like he's had through the first season and two games, that after three years, if he plays next season, and he's under contract, right? So if he plays three seasons, at, at by next year, he could he could claim the Bucks all time passing yardage record in three seasons. Are you kidding me? If he doesn't, oh, you just put him in goodness. the Ring of Honor immediately. You know, no waiting. Oh, he's going. Listen, the only question now is whether Tom Brady uh, has a statue out. If he's the first guy to have a statue outside of Raymond James Stadium, that's the Ring of Honor is a given. He brings a second Super Bowl home. It's done. Oh, I don't even think he needs to do that. I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying, if he does, it's for sure a thing. It's it's happening. If he, if he brings another Super Bowl here, the statue is happening. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yes. yes. Oh, no question. He'll be out there, you know, with the quintessential pose or whatever that is, much like Manning and Indy, which is crazy, right? Because he'll be here all of two years. But yeah, you win another Lombardi. It's a it's it's a lock. Two Bardies. Two Bardies. Two Tutties. Two Bardies. <laughs> Which, by the way, um, over the weekend I was watching ESPN. I was watching Countdown. 
They wanted to, they revisited a little bit late, but better late than never. They revisited, I'm surprised no one did this. They revisited the whole Brady uh, Lombardi trophy toss thing. And they were like, well, we've, we've got one of these from Tiffany's. And, you know, we asked the people at Tiffany's what would have happened. And they said, oh, nothing. It would, it would not have been a problem. Like, what do you mean? Well, because the silver football is sealed so completely. Um, you know, that's, that rests on that base that there's no way it would sink very far. It wouldn't sink. And so they said, well, let's try this. So the dive I, teams weren't necessary is what they're saying, Tiffany's is saying? They're saying it would have been an issue, yeah. They said you, it would have floated. And I'm like, hmm. So credit ESPN. They went out on their little studio there that's on the East River, and they tossed it in the river, <laughs> and it popped right. Now, they knew the outcome, and I'm, I'm guessing there were some some safety boats around that we couldn't see off camera. Or they had it in the water ahead of time, you know, just set it in there and let No, go they actually and, tossed it. No, like, I, they I'm, tossed say, it. I'm saying before they shot. Oh, right, right, right. Like, yeah. whoop, and then you look down. Yeah. yeah. You, know, now, you, you did some tests. You did some testing, you know. you put. The- oh, it wasn't. Yeah, this was not This was not his first <laughs> dip in the water. I don't have any questions about that. Um, they said they tested it in water in a tank before they okay. threw it in the East River. But, yeah, son of a gun floated, man. Well, I guess you're going to see it thrown all the time now. Now, now it's just going to end up in a river. Now it's going to be part of the boat parade, and it won't need a boat. You just kind of float it down the river. You know, where's Lombardi? Oh, there it is. It's floating. See, it's right there. Um, it's got its own boat. Yeah, it's got its own boat. Jumps in, jumps back out. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. I'm surprised we didn't think of that because I know some people around here that have a Lombardi trophy. It would have been hard for them to convince me to let me try to <laughs> – Floated in a river, but um, I know a few people. In fact, I know one that has five. I was going to say, I know one you yeah, know. Yeah. So, and he would have never let me take it, and I don't blame him. But I thought that was fun. So, uh, we had a lot of college football over the weekend. What did you think of the uh, Florida Alabama game? Entertaining as all get out, I would say. I was thoroughly impressed with Florida, not just that it was 31 29, but how they were down early. I mean, you know, and, and still fought and came back. I mean, you know, you expect Alabama. Yeah. You know, they start getting up 21-10, two scores, three scores. It's like game over. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's first quarter. You just – that's kind of your mindset because Alabama's been so good for so long that yeah. for them to fight back and do what they – I mean, it's a shame they missed an extra point, which then they had to go for two at the end. I yeah. don't care for the play call that much, but – Me either. Um, but for Florida to hang in that game – I'm thoroughly impressed with that team and, and, and the way they fought and played in that game. I mean, I, I don't know. Can you, I mean, you know, yes, it's a loss and, and whatever else, but and, and I know they're not there for moral victories, but dang, that's a good team. Better than I thought they were. They were better than I thought they were. Um, I, I don't remember seeing an Alabama team that couldn't stop the run, and Florida just absolutely ran it down their throat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I felt like, uh, you know, I, I felt like that was a positive that, that the, the Florida offensive line must be pretty damn good. And I think you, I think you can be pretty confident, um, when you have that kind of blocking that maybe their identity, you know, is going to be running the football. Now, listen, I'll say it. I'm, I'm not an Emory Jones fan. I don't like his game. Um, I think he's okay. 
Uh, he's going to miss throws. You know, he, he he's a decent decision maker. Uh, I don't know, you know, I guess, you know, he gets him in the right protections and, you know, all that sort of thing. But, you know, I I don't, I think Emory, Emory could take you to, you know, maybe an SEC game, a uh, title game. I don't, maybe. Now, they're going to have to beat Georgia. And, and for my money, I think how this season plays out is I think Florida and Georgia is going to determine their side of the bracket, obviously. Georgia's going to win, and then I think Georgia's going to beat Alabama. That's what I think is going to happen. I don't, th- I don't think Florida is going to the SEC title game. I could be wrong, but it's all on that game. I'm still not sold on Georgia's offense, although I think their defense is phenomenal. Their defense is great, yeah. You know, I, They'll I, get better on offense, though, I think. I think JT Dan I – think, I think as Todd Munkin goes along that they'll get better on offense. I think. I really like – I mean, I obviously know their offensive coordinator really well, but I really think he does, he does a good job. Their defense, though, is for real. Yeah, although you look at Clemson versus Georgia Tech, and you're going, well, maybe Clemson's offense isn't that good, and <laughs> well, which yeah. we're judging Georgia's you know <laughs> defense true. on. Yeah, you know, I mean, what they had a goal line stand to win fourteen to eight. Yeah, over Georgia Tech. Um, maybe you're selling Georgia Tech. Short. Well, may, maybe that too, but yeah, um, yeah, that was shocking. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, but just you know, watching that when you watch that Clemson Georgia game from week one, just the eye test showed you Georgia's defense was really good. Clemson's too, but and we knew we knew that it would be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, is that you know, but how good and, and are they championship good? So, but no, I you know, I I still think you got to play the other guy if you want to win an SEC title. Look, I mean, I just, mean, you know, this year in college football, you know, we're we're through three weeks or whatever, right? Every team has holes. Yeah, I, you know, it, I mean, you thought Alabama Ohio, was really Ohio, good. Ohio State has them. Ohio um, State's got a d- defensive problem. Yeah. And their offense can sputter at times, too. Yeah. I mean, they've Never got the talent to, to win most of those games, no question. Yeah. Uh, UCLA lost after they oh, looked really Fresno good. Fresno State. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, Oregon looks really good. Oregon, Oregon so far may have played the best football of anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, Oklahoma, I don't know almost, how... Oklahoma struggled in a few games. Yeah, Nebraska, who's not a very good team, almost beat them. I don't know how good Notre Dame is. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, so they they squeak by Toledo, they get by Purdue, and, and they they had to go to overtime against Florida State. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame this week has Wisconsin. Yep. And then they get Cincinnati next week. They'll beat Wisconsin. I think we'll know. More, I think we'll know more. I think we'll know have a better idea of how good Notre Dame is or isn't after this the next two weeks. Yeah, they'll they'll beat Wisconsin. They're playing them at Soldier Field too. I think which mm-hmm. is cool. It is. No, that is very cool. Yeah. Although it's funny though. So, you know, you're playing Wisconsin-Notre Dame and you go to Soldier Field. I think you go down in capacity. <laughs> you know, these yeah. college stadiums are bigger than the NFL stadiums as a rule. They are, yeah. I, I don't know Soldier Field's capacity, but Notre Dame's well over 80,000. Yeah. So, I, I think it's funny when they do that. But but it's cool to play in those venues. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, I don't know. College football, I mean, it's it's a little more wide open this year because I don't – I actually thought that Alabama was going to be was was going to they were on their way to curb stomping them, but they did mm-hmm. come back and that was impressive. And like I said, the game comes down to a couple plays and the, the mixed extra point. Everybody will say, "Well, if he makes the extra point," but then you know Alabama would have had the ball with three minutes to go, and they certainly would have you know tried 
tried to attack and and uh, get in the field goal range or score a touchdown or something. So you don't know really what how it would have come out, but um, it was good. On the other hand, uh, we talked about this. I mean, Florida State's zero and three. I, I'm not sure who they're going to beat. Uh, you know, it was weird. Like Wake Forest. I mean, back in the day, had Wake Forest beaten Notre, uh, beaten Florida State, they would have torn down the goalpost. I'm watching this game on TV, and almost nobody's at Wake Forest watching the game. That that's how bad the Florida State brand is these days. And they had a legit chance of beating them, and they did. And not that many people were at Wake watching the game. It was weird. So probably says more about Wake Forest football, but man, Florida State. Now they got to play then, Louisville this week, who just knocked off UCF. Oh yeah, yeah, they're going to get. And I know at the end of the you're trying to win the game, but if you're going to do the the crazy lateral, 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 you can't let your quarterback get in there. No, that was bad. You know, bad I, mean, I don't blame the kid. I don't blame whatever. But you know, you've got to. I mean that that's, that's, that's you know I, who knows how long he's out for, what broken clavicle I think broken it is. clavicle is like five five if yeah. it's not displaced it's at least five six weeks. Yeah, I mean I feel bad for Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I do too. You know, and and uh, you know you're and you're trying to win the game. You can't fault the kid or anything, but you no. know you got to you know but, you know Tom Brady gets you know picked off. You don't see him running very he's hard. He's not to trying to tackle. tackle anybody. Nope. No, no, it's live for the next game, live for the next down, live for the next play. Yep. Um, that's the secret of Tom Brady. That and making sure you throw touchdown passes on the one-yard line. What I've learned about Tom in a short period of time is when they get inside the red zone, and when I say inside, I mean like anywhere inside the five, he is not looking to hand that ball off. <laughs> he is not going to hand that ball off. He's going to throw a tutty to somebody. Somebody's going to get rewarded. Yeah. Well, he used to, used to quarterback sneak it all the time. He used to a lot. Doesn't yeah, do that he, much I, anymore. Not as much anymore, but... Uh, and, of course, I think the guy that's been the biggest recipient has been Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans in the last two years has probably had about eight touchdowns inside of five yards. And I don't think I'm exaggerating by much. Um, but, you know, at the one, he caught one for one yard and one for three yards the other day. And they're almost automatic. I mean, this, you know, it's one thing to throw it up to the guys. Another thing, the guy comes down with it all the time. So why not, right? Mm-hmm. But he absolutely, given a choice, between running and passing at the one, he's throwing it. <laughs> he's just gonna throw that thing, man. And you think, well, yeah, but the you know the field is so short, and 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 you know you you know it's a disadvantage to the op. No, no, we're throwing it. But but in, in his defense, he's never had like everyone you know rips Pete Carroll for throwing against Malcolm Butler instead of running Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn L- Lynch, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but. Brady's never had a beast mode in back back there either. No, that's I mean, true. Most of his running backs have been more, you know more receivers. Yeah, you know those kind of types of running backs. He's had more of those types than your Bruce. I mean, you know he's had. Well, Garrett Blunt was there for a little bit, and you yeah, know Corey he's had a Dillon, yeah. he had Blunt, he's yeah, had, Dillon was yeah. one, but you know, so in his defense, I mean, you know, generally throwing the ball for him is a better option than running. You don't trust. You don't trust the greatness of Leonard Fournette or Rojo. It's not so much Perhaps trusting so. it, but you know when you've got that arm and that you track got those record receivers. and that history and those receivers, and you got yeah. Gronk. I mean, you got Gronk <laughs> and you got Mike Evans, and that's where most of the balls go. And you haven't even said Chris Godwin yet, or Chris Godwin, yeah, who mossed the guy in Antonio the Antonio Brown, right? We don't mention. Yeah, I mean, we don't even talk about OJ Howard. OJ got a catch the other day. Did yeah. you see that? No, I know, but I mean, 
you know, he's they're happy. holding OJ, but now that's the guy that they are trying to get back into shape and slow mm-hmm. play him. Like he, they'd like to have him for 17 weeks because they feel like at some point, you know, I mean, Gronk is now becoming that Brady-like character that doesn't seem to age, but at some point you think you're going to need OJ and, you know, coming off the Achilles, but he looked good, got down the field, caught the ball, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, the OJ, we haven't seen, we haven't heard from OJ. We haven't heard from Scotty Miller, you know. Tyler Johnson, I think, got his first target the other day. Um, Cameron Brait, you know, had a few catches in week one. I don't know if he had any last week. So they've got weapons upon weapons. They'll need them all. I mean, it's such a long season. They're all going to get hurt at some mm-hmm. point. So that's that's what wins in this league is depth. You know, you don't want to get attacked at any one position. But, yeah, so. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, and then now uh, our Tampa Bay, your Tampa Bay Rays, I should say, they're not our Tampa Bay Rays, your Tampa Bay Rays, and you do some work for them. Um, they're all but, as we do this podcast, I think assured of winning the AL East, barring some calamity that I don't even know. I guess mathematically it's possible, but what's weird to me is that you could have, what, Boston and Toronto in the wild card and then have to play the winner of those? If it started today, that would be the scenario. It would be yeah. Toronto at Boston, a one-game wild card. And you believe, if I'm correct, that it would be a better matchup for the Rays to play Toronto than Boston. Why? There'd be less opposing fans at Tropicana Field for three of those yeah, five Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. If it's the Yankees or the Red Sox... I, come, I think right? I think the Rays match up very well against all three of the AL East teams. They're heavy right-handed lineups, right, which benefits the Rays, right. You know, for instance, we and we talked about this, and they're going to face the Blue Jays tonight. We're we're taping this before Monday night's game, so yeah. Shane Boz is going to make his debut, and mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how he pitches. Yeah, um, he's a weapon that could be used in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he'll start or anything, but guy coming out of the bullpen, he's got tremendous stuff. But, you know, they lost two of three to the Blue Jays last weekend. They gave up a ton of runs in the two losses. But almost all those runs were given up by Michael Waka and Ryan Yarbrough. Two guys that probably are not going to be in, in on your playoff roster against Good point. those teams. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not say they won't participate in the playoffs at all. I mean, you, you're going to, you know, you pick your roster each round based on the matchup. But knowing those lineups, I don't think Yarbrough and Waka are going to face the Yankees, Red Sox, or... Blue Jays in the first round of the playoffs. And the rest of your pitching staff did a pretty good job against their right-handed dominated lineup. You know, I, I don't I think the Rays, the familiarity, the history, the matchup, I, I, I think I think they're comfortable with any one of those three teams. Yeah. And, and how their pitching staff matches up against those lineups. Mm-hmm. And, and particularly because they know them very well too. And that, that helps right. a lot. So right. but uh, yeah, if it started today. The Blue Jays and Red Sox. It's Rays' magic number going into tonight is tw- uh, six with twelve games to go. 
Boston and Toronto. Yankees are it's even closer to eliminate them. Uh, what's it? Four is a magic number to eliminate the Yankees from winning the division. Yeah, which is a combination of Rays wins and or Yankees losses. Correct. So, yeah. Correct. So if the Rays beat the Blue Jays tonight and, say, Boston loses two, the magic number is now four. Yeah. Yeah. Because both Boston and Toronto lost, and Tampa Bay would win, so that knocks off two games off the number. So We're getting ever so close to a champagne celebration. It is. I think if you win the East, the champagne's involved, right? I mean, that's a yeah. big deal. By the way, yeah. we didn't talk about Brett Phillips on Friday night yet. Oh, God. How great was that? Was it any fun or what? Baseball is fun. They're I mean, selling the what, T-shirts now. Down, what, 4-1 going to the ninth. Mm-hmm. They tie it, go to extras, and then Brett Phillips crushed that ball. That was a no doubter, yeah, <laughs> and maybe one of the best bat flip of the year. Yeah, just absolutely launched. I don't think that bat came down. Yeah, and then right into the the airplane wings and. How about the climbing? How about the climbing onto the dugout uh, and hanging on the screen? He yeah. went all Jimmy Pearsall. You remember Jimmy Pearsall? Fear strikes out. Yeah, they did the movie with like Anthony Perkins and Carl Malden or something like that. I don't know if it was Anthony, but like some where he just lost lost his mind. His dad put all this pressure on him, and he like it's home running. <laughs> I thought, what's going on here? What are we doing? But, um, yeah. Brett Phillips, I mean, such a great story to have a local kid play for his hometown team. You can see the joy he plays with anyway, and then putting on that uniform to him is everything. You know what I mean? To be able to play with the Rays. No one has ever been more excited to play for the Rays than Brett Phillips. I agree with you. I agree with you. He's already become one of the most, you know, beloved players and he will never be a superstar but he's a, you know what he's a damn good player like he's got like 13 bombs man mm-hmm. you hit 13 bombs as a part-time outfielder in, in major league baseball you're pretty good yeah. and he's not kevin kiermeyer in the outfield but he's no, pretty damn but he's, good he's pretty damn he, good he's got a really good glove i mean he'll mm-hmm. make plays he's not he's not only is he not a liability he's an asset he makes plays out there you know covers a lot of ground can play any position so yeah i mean Brett Phillips has been fun to watch, and I love the I love the fact that they've trademarked or whatever they do with this T shirt that they're selling now. You know, baseball is fun, which is great. Um, but yeah, good for the local kid. He came up in almost the identical situation the next day, though, and he struck out. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> so that's baseball. Z. That's just, baseball. Just remember, this team's not interesting nor charismatic. So, no, apparently not. <laughs> um, Playoffs will be fun though. I don't. I have no expectations. I don't know what. I don't know who's going to pitch for them. I don't know how they're going to do. Um, I don't know if they're going to score runs the way they've scored them during the regular season. I would think not. But you know, well, you hope Wander Franco's back this week. He's coming back. He they some of the the B roll I saw him running and doing things like he he he's mm-hmm. really close. I think yep. if if it weren't the fact that they know they're going to be in the postseason and they know yeah you can wait an a, extra day two three yeah, you know yeah. You don't have. I mean, you want to give them enough swings to get back in a groove before the playoffs. Before but, they start, yeah. But you don't have to rush them back. You know, no. immediately you can wait a couple extra days to make sure it's. Hamstrings you know. are funny. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to go restrain. Yeah. That, I mean, Nelson but. Cruz missed a few games. He probably could have come back a day or two sooner. But they can slow play it. They don't have to rush right. anybody back. Right, and I think that's what they're doing on the pitching. I think they're managing, you know, uh, innings and saving some arms for October. And you want to play almost in November, so. You know, you got to have those guys as fresh as possible. So I think, I, I it's going to be. I hope it's an entertaining postseason for him. And we got the lightning, the hockey. It's starting up. We're only a few. What? How? What are we? Are we start playing preseason games here soon? Uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, they're going to drop the puck. They're at Carolina. Camp opens. Uh, I think what everyone reports Wednesday this week. First practice wow. is Thursday. 
crazy, crazy. And the prospects, uh, if you don't have anything to do today, the Lightning prospects are playing their final tournament game at uh, the Advent Health Center Ice Center in Wesley Chapel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played games Saturday and Sunday. Today they'll play the Panthers the prospects. So, hmm. so a lot of the players drafted in the last two, three seasons uh, playing each other. It's a way for prospects to kind of play each other and get to know each other before camp opens. Yeah. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I was out there. Uh, they played at Amelie Arena Saturday. They were at Wesley Chapel on Sunday. I was at the, both those games. Uh, very entertaining, high-scoring games, lots of offense. So if you like Crazy, hockey and you got anything, you're not busy today, 1 o'clock the Lightning will play the Panthers. So Talk about a short off season, right? I mean, I, I feel like I was just in Montana around the 4th of July, and that's when they were playing the Stanley Cup final, if I, don't recall, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And here we are. They're starting the season again. I mean, that's, that was a blink in time. Yeah, opening right? night is, uh, let's see, two weeks from tonight. No, three weeks from tonight. I'm sorry, three weeks from tonight is opening night. That's still crazy to me. Wow. I don't know if everybody's had a chance to have the Stanley. Have you had the Stanley Cup yet? Are you going to call me over when you get it? I, I don't get a day with the Cup, unfortunately. Are you sure? Uh, well, have I, you I asked? Guess, I guess I need to ask. but <laughs> That's what I would do. I want a day with a Cup. <laughs> I want a day with somebody that has it. That must be pretty cool. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, the uh, I saw Victor Hedman was eating Swedish meatballs out of it. There you go. Uh, that's been that's been a popular thing is what you eat out of the cup. What you eat and you drink. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Matthew Joseph was eating poutine mm-hmm. out of the cup, which is a Canadian thing. If you're not familiar with that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But what everyone's eating out of the cup has been a big thing this off season. So as everyone got their cup day, and and you know, they had to wait an extra year because they didn't get the cup days last year. So right. Right, because of COVID, they and win, traveling and that. So if they win three in a row, <laughs> it's a different team. But and Pat Maroon would be four cup guy. He'd be a four cup guy. Wow, that's incredible. So th- I, I believe three in a row has not happened since the Islanders won three in a row in the early eighties. Sounds right. I think Sounds I think right. a team. There's a team that did like four out of five, but not three in a row. So right. Oh well, they're going to be picked again to to be very special teams. Look, as long as you have the the best defender, the best scorer, and the best goalie, I think you have a shot. Well, I was talking to Brian Engblom on uh, Saturday about this, and I said we were talking about you know the changes in the Lightning, and you know all, the third line they lost, of course, Gord, Gaudreau, Coleman, losing Tyler Johnson, um, losing Luke Shen, uh, you know, losing some guys like that. And the guys they brought in, bringing Zach Bogosian back, I like that pickup. Um, mm-hmm. Pierre Edward Belmar, very good face-off guy. Um, real tough to play against guy. Corey Perry, who the Lightning have faced in the Stanley Cup final the last two years. But, you know, what we were talking about was, so you've won back-to-back cups. You bring back your all your top six forwards. Mm-hmm. Your top two lines are not touched. You essentially bring back your entire defense. David Savard's gone and Luke Shen's gone, but you bring Zach Bogosian in. And you hope Cal Foote makes another step. He played some last year. And you've got the best goalie in the world. You got a shot. Yeah, why why would you expect to not yeah. win it? You know now, what I'm saying? Like I think penalty kill is going to be very interesting. Because the top two guys over the wall were always, you know, Coleman and Goodrow. Yanni yeah. Gord was the next guy over the line at the boards. Yeah. So your top three penalty killers are not on this team anymore. So how they how they figure out that and who plays with who and, and who they can trust and go to, I think that's going to be a work in progress early in the season particularly. Yeah. Uh, the power play is essentially all back. 
I mean, your top two lines are back. So, um, you know, it's it's really just I think it's managing the mental part of it of this was a everyone talked last year. It was a short off season. If you look calendar wise, it wasn't. It may have been a couple weeks longer. This one is the short one. But but it felt like it was shorter because going into December, we didn't know what was going to happen. And all of a sudden, mid-December, it was like, okay, camp starts in two weeks and the season starts in four. Right. And it just felt right. like it came on you quick, even though you hadn't played in several months. This one mm-hmm. is truly a month shorter than a typical offseason. Yeah. And, and, and there's the physical part of it, but I think it's the mental part of it, too. Right. Of, you know, how, how they adapt to that and, and, and play an 82-game schedule. Now, I think... There's some, you know, exciting things like you're playing every team again. Mm-hmm. You know, last year you played the same team eight times in the regular season. And you're playing in full arenas. Yeah, you're going to play in full arenas now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think there'll be some there'll be some things that, that kind of rejuvenate a team too is, you know, hey, no we get doubt. to go back to get to go back to Boston or or, you know, get to go to Toronto or Yeah, cuz that's a mental you know. grind too playing mm-hmm. the same team over and over again. Absolutely. So, but yeah, we're three weeks from opening night when uh, they'll raise the banner against the Penguins at Amelie Arena. That's pretty cool. Well, we'll be following the Rays, of course, in their series against Toronto. Uh, the Bucks will be back to work on Wednesday, preparing for their game against the Los Angeles Rams. That's going to be a fun one with Matthew Stafford and all the guys. And and so we'll have all of that. Uh, you can check out in the Tampa Bay Times and on Tampa Bay. Dot com and we're going to have our mailbag segment right tomorrow. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do a mailbag tomorrow. That'd be great. Yeah, so I'm sure you guys got lots of questions about the Bucks, not just on Ronald Jones or Richard Sherman, but bring us anything, whether it's on the Bucks, the race, college football, all of that. We'll have Matt Baker later this week to talk a little college football and what he saw at Florida and Alabama and so on, get into his top 25 polls. So keep it right here. We're here every Monday through Friday on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can send those mailbag questions to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can send it to me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.